Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. And I'm your other host, Daniel Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by Vincent the chat. Van Gogh. Oh, and the chat. In the chat. This we are live streaming this one. Yeah, first time. First live stream, No Plans to Merge. Yeah, it's cool. Ooh, the main reason cool. we're live the main reason we're live streaming is not because we necessarily care that much about doing it live, but because we do want to create these like YouTube clips of like good moments in the show. And the only way that YouTube supports doing that is clipping out of live streams. You can't clip out of other videos. Yep. Um and so we're live streaming. So we're doing it live. And we figure while we're here, we may as well hang out with twenty two viewers. Yep. Um uh, and the thing it's easy for us to live stream, right? Like for other people, other podcasts, it's it's like an exceptional thing. Like, oh, we're going to live stream it. It would feel different. For sure. us, like it's totally uncut always. Yeah. Like we, we haven't edit. cut anything in an episode in like 30 episodes. Um, yeah. So we're basically live streaming without hitting I the I remember the button. episode where we did have to cut something out and you were so mad. You were like, Daniel. <laughs> what did you do? I don't remember what I did probably something really bad i remember you being mad though um (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh caleb how are you how's your life dan cole i'm really good i am tired Mm -hmm. and i'm ready to go home Mm. i'm ready to go home feel that yeah you've had sort of an an unending torrent like a fire hose torrent of uh friends and family Yes. In your life. I've basically been dead to the internet world for like a month. Yeah. Um, if anybody listening has not figured that out, it's been like we had one family stay with us for like seven days and then back to back the next person stay with us for another seven days. And then in two days, we had another like six days. And now we just finished the last, the last run, Hannah's parents. And uh, it's just exhausting. I think the most exhausting, I think I've given up on working when that happens. Mm-hmm. Is like I just work in between because before I was trying to like fit it in the nights and stuff. Super unrealistic. Um, and when people are here and they're on vacation, like it's just so much. I don't know. Like I end up being on vacation too because right. like I have to like do their vacation. You know, I can't. You know what I mean? I do like every I mean. day. It's like we did. We did a beach day. We did a boat day. We did uh, whatever. Every day is a new day. It's like, yeah. oh, this You're is like the Disney tour guide day. for the vacation. We are. Yeah. Canoe day. Disney day. Canoe day. Yep. Um, yeah. So. The difficult thing for me about those situations is that like, like Charlotte and I have like a rhythm where like at certain times we're in like talking to each other mode mm-hmm. and at certain times we're in kind of like sit across the living room from each other and don't say anything mm-hmm. and just kind of vibe out mode. Mm-hmm. And even if you like the people that you're adding into your like dynamic, mm-hmm. like they don't like naturally follow your energy patterns that you've established as a household. Mm-hmm. And so like sometimes you just never get a moment to just sit across the living room from people and not talk to yes. them for an hour. Yep. And like that, that those are restorative times. That definitely, definitely happens. One of the guests in there didn't stay with us. We just spent a lot of time with them. He mm-hmm. stayed like in an Airbnb two minutes away and it was totally different because we had a, like our normal routine was sort of uninterrupted, you know, but yeah. yeah, when people are staying with you, it's, you get up, I get up, I go downstairs and I go, Hey, how's it going? You know? Yeah. And it's like, 
we're doing you're, breath, you, we're you, you gotta turn on as soon it. as you wake up and then it's the same thing with bed it's basically basically till like 11 o'clock and then it's like all right well i'm gonna head in now yeah but yeah it is exhausting um yeah i'm totally exhausted i gotta be honest with you mm. and i'm excited mm. to get home you know yeah it's gonna be nice to go fun, back to it's, uh, grand old buffalo I know. For the summer. So this canoe thing really quick. I had a, mm-hmm. a fun, you know, my whole like rent thing, like, like rent stuff, don't own stuff. Is that, is that your this? thing? You came up with that one? Yeah. It's my <laughs> thing. Cause it's like, like, uh, my grandpa was like this. He was, yeah. he just was big into renting stuff and not owning mm-hmm. it. And, uh, and my brother just mentioned it the other day. He's like, he's like, that's, that's your thing. Like that's your philosophy. Right. And I was like, oh, I guess it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had a good rent don't own win with the canoe. Mm-hmm. We got down here and I went on Craigslist and I got a canoe, which we mm-hmm. talked about and I've used it a bunch, caught a bunch of fish from it. And now like, am I going to bring this whole canoe back home and like, you know, strap a canoe to the car and ride across the country and then like store it in a garage I don't own. You know, what that I mean? would be kind of romantic to like have a canoe on top of your car while on a road trip. I think that's like very like, it's like American imagery. Yeah. It is. Um, and it's nice. Like we have it on our car a lot cause it's like 85 pounds and nobody wants to take it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just around here and it is fun. Like you park the car and you got the canoe on. Mm-hmm. It's very sporty. It's vibey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good look, but it's not great to drive with. It's like a Norman Rockwell painting. <laughs> that's, that's what I strive for. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I was like, I wanted to do it, but I actually executed it. I went on Craigslist and I threw it up there and uh you sold it and sold it for basically the price i bought it for beautiful and like they were like can we come in the morning i'm like actually no come in the afternoon and we took one morning and just like canoed out canoed Mm -hmm. our hearts out caught a bunch of fish caught like one fish had a bunch on and Mm -hmm. uh and that was that so sold it but that was just fun it was like i paid fifty dollars to have a canoe for like two months you know Mm -hmm. it's the best thing when you even you could do it I sold it in one day and I bought it in one day. So you, mm-hmm. if you had a week long vacation, you could conceivably do something like this, you know? Yeah. Would you the only that? problem is like, if you have like a plane ticket and haven't sold the canoe yet, that's an issue. I was thinking like, what if I can't sell it? Would I dump it? I would take it. I would figure out a way to take it home. No, but. you just tie it up at a dock with a sign that says free canoe. <laughs> that's so much better. Yeah. Honestly, Free canoe just, and your Venmo handle. This is like, if you feel like Venmoing right. me for this canoe, pay what you want for this canoe. Dude, that's freaking brilliant. That's great. That's awesome. The dude um, who picked it up, I just want to yeah. say, it's an 85-pound canoe. And if you've lifted 85 pounds before, picture being like twice as heavy because it's 85 pounds like spread out Whoa. over 15 feet. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to maneuver. This guy, uh, he comes to pick it up and and i'm just kind of like standing there like all right you ready you need a hand lift it on his truck he's like he's a super nice guy he's a sailor he's like, of mm-hmm. course and uh he's like no i'm gonna have to be able to lift it myself anyway so and he reaches down i'm like this guy doesn't know how much this thing weighs and he just like manhandles this canoe on top of him and starts walking but like stumbling you know mm-hmm. like around the parking lot with this freaking heavy canoe and he eventually wrangled down his car and he's like, that's way heavier than I thought. And I was like, I tried to help you, bro. <laughs> I already have the cash. <laughs> you could have looked up the model. <laughs> Sorry. It's a really heavy canoe, bro. But um, anyway. that's funny. So they, um, 
have you ever seen the Amazon Prime show Patriot? Have I talked about this yet? No. I must have. Patriot is one of the best TV shows I've ever seen in my entire life. It sounds like it would be a show like like a sort of like a Jason Bourne type like operator mm. show or something like that, you know? Sure. I I was just thinking like The Patriot the movie or yeah or the patriot vibe. with mel gibson right yeah. that's mel gibson mm-hmm. it's neither of those things it is like a dark comedy um with like those extreme like psychedelic weird like cohen brothers or like uh those sorts of vibes like it's like it. or like wes anderson style like okay. just like weird the coloring is weird the pace of the dialogue is like you might just have like a still shot for 20 minutes or something where like hilarious okay. it is funnier than anything wow. like because it's not like it's nothing's like it it's just different than everything. interesting um but one of the things that happens in that show is that there's like a canoe that he can't sell or he can't oh, get really? rid of this canoe yeah <laughs> wow um, yeah that was my nightmare <laughs> it's very funny all right um that's it's point. a show about getting some about getting something from point A to point B and how that's really simple. You definitely need to watch the show. <laughs> I'm in. Put yeah. me in deep. You got one more night there? You leave in the morning? Leave it on Friday. Leave it on Friday? Two nights. Y'all should watch the first episode of Patriot tonight. Wow. And okay. if, if you don't like the first episode, you I'll will not it. like the show. Okay. <laughs> if you do like the first episode, you will like the show. It's okay. a very easy show to recommend because you can just tell people, watch a single episode. That's great. Yeah. It's not a thing where you have to stick around and it right. gets better. Like yep. the first episode is, is the trailer for the show and it's very accurate. And awesome. if you if you like the type of stupid shit that's in the trailer you or in the first episode, you'll like the whole thing. I'll check it Amazon out. Prime. Patriot. Um yeah. What else? What else? What do we got? Well, we got to touch on the fishing really quick just to get over oh, all right, my right, like yeah, mandatory aquatic nautical people topics. Love, people love fishing. People love the fishing content. Um, mm-hmm. What is there to say? I caught my first saltwater fish yesterday on my own. I caught mm-hmm. saltwater fish with Jack. Um, but, you know, it kind of counts. But, like, he handed me a pole and told me what to do kind of deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. was like I spent a bunch of time getting skunked, and then I finally got a mackerel. And, that means uh, you don't get anything. Yeah. Skunked. Yep. Yep. Um, which I do quite a lot of, to be honest. But uh but yeah, I got a macro. It was awesome. It's, it's so funny how different hobbies have different jargon. Yeah. And I, I think the way to learn the jargon is to just watch YouTube videos mm-hmm, of people mm-hmm. doing that thing. And I recognize this because I adopted a bunch of the fishing jargon from YouTube because I don't really have a lot of in person fishing friends. At least the ones I do aren't like fishermen and I don't know, whatever. YouTube is where I picked up a lot of the fishing jargon and I say it and I don't even think about it. And people are like, oh, like, and make some, you know, non fishermen people. Mm -hmm. Um, We call them landies. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's part of the jargon. (laughs) Um, So there's that. And Daniel, fishing jargon. Oh, so I just went mountain biking. We got to talk about mountain biking. Great. But a uh, buddy of mine came down to Florida, visit his parents, took me mountain biking. and A lot of mountains in Florida? <laughs> the, the Everglade Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is, it, is it like one of those like weird wood courses or whatever? A lot of stuff like that. Yep. Um, 
but he had tons of mountain biking jargon like mm-hmm. stuff that i even know from like being into like bmx youtube and stuff like send it you know like mm-hmm. everybody says send it and what else there's a bunch of stuff oh like casing is like if you go off a jump and like land on the you know your like tire lands on the jump instead of like the other side sure like that's casing i don't know there's just a ton of stuff like that whatever whatever have you mountain biked dan cole um only like the tiniest bit right. like one time and it was like going downhill is fun and dangerous is what i learned okay this was uh this wasn't actually a ton of downhill i mean i owned um, a mountain like i've ridden a mountain yeah. bike a lot i think you're probably in the same position as me yeah um but this was like my first mountain biking excursion where like i rented a mountain bike and it was like you know full suspension so like fork suspension and rear suspension mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's all adjustable like so there's mm-hmm. little presets and you set it for depending on what you're doing huge knobby tires mm-hmm. and uh what else oh one of those things where you press a button and the seat goes down so that you can like do stuff and then when you want the mm-hmm. seat back you press it and it like shoots up well um, you better which is m- make sure you're nice. at the right height when that happens no, you can intercept it. It's all right. It doesn't nut oh. you that bad. Okay, okay cool. <laughs> you just, the nut button. The nut button. <laughs> just get nutted by the seat. <laughs> That's the worst news in the entire world. It's really, the mechanism is basically exactly like an office chair. You press the button, okay. it goes like. Okay, Psh. so it comes up kind of slow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. That's fine. But anyway, it's dude, fine this place me. in Florida, it's totally public and it's massive, absolutely massive, it's like a ski resort, but for mountain bikes mm-hmm. and they'll have like, like skate parks for mountain bikes. They'll have like pump tracks and wooden tracks and just trails. And it was, dude, it was way more fun than I thought mountain biking would be. I highly recommend it. Hell yeah. I've heard that Asheville has some of the best mountain biking in the country. It's gotta, but it's gotta. I've never done Half it Half the people there have to be into mountain bike. Yeah. It's a big thing here. The number of mountain bike stores that are here alone indicates yeah. that there's a lot of mountain biking going on. I know um, I know a bunch of people who've actually come here to mountain bike. So, Sweet. yeah, I think, it's, I think it's mountain bike country. The stuff I was really into that I imagine maybe would be the same for you, I don't know. The trails are fun, mm-hmm. but, like, the jumps are really fun. Like, yeah, the yeah, skate yeah. park area where you just kind of, like, go jump Did you BMX jump. before? Yeah. So, you have, like, you, you have a bunny hop. I have a bunny hop. It's See, not See, I've never bunny hopped a bike. Gotcha. So, I don't know. Yeah, it takes... And well, I, that's not true. I've bunny hopped a mountain bike a little bit. Really? That's tough. Yeah. It's a lot harder than bunny hopping a BMX okay. bike. I never had a BMX bike, so I don't... Or sorry, then... Yeah, the bunny hop... Right. The mountain bike, you have to, like, use the leverage. You have to literally... Because mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. just, like, jump Top. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's the same with the BMX bike, but it's just more extreme. You have to, like, mm-hmm. really lean back and, like, pull it up and then, like, stand up and, like, push forward, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but dude, um, so much fun. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I should try mountain biking sometime. You have to do it. You have to uh, do it. You would love it. I um, I was in a cow field this weekend that I wasn't supposed to be in. Oh yeah. And uh, then we like real we like heard a motorcycle, like kind of coming through the thicket towards us. Okay. <laughs> like a dirt bike or something. Yeah. And like it was starting to get dark, and we were like, uh, like we were on like some redneck dude's land. We're mm-hmm. like, I really don't want to get shot right now. 
<laughs> like, yep. So we like hightailed it and then we ended up like walking along the highway for like four miles. But it was really fun. It's a good time. Was your thumb out? No, just walking because we had to get back to our car. We were like, let's cut through this cow field. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, uh, we might get shot for doing this. Were you so near cows? Like, yeah. Do you mess with any cows? We didn't mess with them. We said, what's up? Like you got like close to them? I mean, not close, close, but like 50 yards. They were like, it's a big field. Word. Yeah, man. But yeah, we stepped in their poop. Yeah, so that was my next question. Yep. You got pied. Got pied. I was, uh, so I'm reading this um, Bill Gates book, you know, the How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. Uh, I don't know the book, but that does, that is one of the things he's into. Just came out. Mm-hmm. Gotta read it. Okay. Highly recommend it. Cool. It's basically like. What does he recommend? The best breakdown. <laughs> what does he recommend? <laughs> does he recommend to read nationalizing energy companies? Because that's what you have to do. Oh, um, no, no. Yeah, he, he wouldn't. He's yeah. like not big on the government controlling companies. <laughs> He's kind of a company guy. I mean, it's a global thing. Like it would yeah, have yeah. to be. The U.S. is a small part of the problem. For sure. Especially like. But we, U.S. owned companies are a huge part of the problem. I don't know. I mean, there's do stuff other places. I don't even think that's true. Okay. Like China is huge. huge yeah. But I mean, this per problem. capita. India. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's like you would be surprised where all the emissions come from. Um, cement well, I know that, is like, like uh, cruise one of the ships, biggest. Cruise ships uh, put out more like a single. I've, I read this stat somewhere that a single like long cruise on a cruise ship uh puts out more emissions than all of the cars in the european union in a year uh i heard some i've some heard something like that facts, i don't know if that's that. true but it like sounds... cars aren't that big of a like it, yeah it's just really illuminating to find it's out it's definitely like, not cars yeah no it's it's like yes things like cement like creating building. cement so there's like building materials cement and steel and cement literally when you create cement you heat limestone to mm-hmm. get cement heat limestone to get like what is it like um now uh concrete's like cement with gravel and stuff like that or sorry uh Um, you get calcium something Mm -hmm. and uh so the byproducts of heating the limestone is like one part calcium whatever and the other part carbon dioxide so it's literally like not not even it's not even just the greenhouse gases to like move it all mix it all heat it all you know it's literally uh, like you can't avoid emitting carbon dioxide, a ton of carbon dioxide when mm-hmm. you're creating cement. Even mm-hmm. if you even if you did it all with clean energy, you mm-hmm. still have to figure out a way to like so people are innovating like trying to like put that carbon dioxide and, and like trap it back in the cement or like, you know, use carbon capture to capture the emissions. But dude, it is such a difficult problem. And so now I'm on the chapter with with um agriculture, which mm-hmm. accounts for like I don't remember the percentage, but it's a pretty high percentage. Mm-hmm. And and the cows, of course, are mm-hmm. are a big part of that. Simply the methane that they burp actually much more than fart, but the methane that, you know, is produced, um, the fermentation inside of them and their poop then decomposes and emits more greenhouse gases. And mm-hmm. per calorie, you know, to get one calorie of beef, you have to have like what is it? You know what I mean? Like uh like one calorie of grain. Mm-hmm equals like an eighth of a calorie of beef or something it might be even a, a even worse mul- multiple it's like the most inefficient 
um, food source. Right. But so there's like all of those things that go into it, of course. But anyway, that's what made me think of uh, cow pies and their, their, uh, and their pollution. So there's like, like research, like, can we like genetically engineer like cows to like not poop like as much like bad stuff and not like decompose whatever. Anyway. So dude, you should seriously check it out though. It's like, it's totally opening my mind, blowing my mind. I will do that. Um, yeah, I am into it. Dude, the, the like China building in the last 20 years stuff is crazy. Yeah. It's like China in the last like 30 years has, has what, like emitted more, (laughs) more greenhouse gases than, than all of like the U.S. over the entire but century, also, or, like the U.S. and India combined over some absurd. But they also switched to clean energy in many, many places. Like that's the thing. Their emissions right now come from development, right? Like yep. they are building cities right. at an yep. insane rate. But if you look at their old cities in the '90s, you used to not be able to see at all in Beijing, right? Yep. And now Beijing has like a clear skyline. Yep. Right. Like they ended pollution. Because as a as an authoritarian government, they can just end pollution, right? Like they can just say, like, oh, we like we are no longer going to use these like dirty coal burning fuel factories. Like we're just gonna like implement nuclear power across the country, like universally. Are they doing that? Yeah, like that's why there's that's why there's like less smog. Interesting. At least my impression is that China is like a huge offender of. No, they um, definitely are burning fossil fuels to generate electricity. Right, they definitely are, but but they're oh, like, for for electricity. I yeah. don't I don't know what they're like, but I know that like one of the huge like Xi Jinping things yeah. has been like get rid of this smog. Nice, right? Yeah, and so they have not- like all kinds of shit going towards that end right. of like getting rid of smog. The your point on the developing like like China developed later than the U S mm-hmm. and, and they developed at an insane rate, insane, absolutely insane. And they're still going, but, um, but like the U S our cement use has sort of not, not plateaued, but like seriously calmed down mm-hmm. where like India is just ramping up and yeah. sub-Saharan Africa, like all of these developing countries, like, and we want them to develop, like you want the world to get richer and more and better off and industrialized and whatnot. It, maybe you do. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what they want. And so it's, uh, w- whatever, but, but so they're like just ramping up, like the problem's just going to get worse and worse and worse, mm-hmm. um, for those countries with steel and cement and other materials and whatnot and fo- yeah, anything. And like the best way to get electricity, fossil fuels, the best way to get all this stuff. It's just, so it's going to be that way unless we can innovate basically and mm-hmm. like find well, the other thing cheaper with, ways the other to... thing with china that like like my interest is always in like where like what consumer or not consumer but like what is like the high end high end or the high level purchase that causes this carbon emission okay. right like who spent a dollar to put this carbon mm-hmm. into the atmosphere sure and that is like it's almost always like america and the u.s and you know like or America and Europe and, you know, these like first super first world countries where it's like, oh, yeah, like the reason China emits a ton of carbon is because we basically 
outsource all of our carbon emissions to China by having everything we manufacture be manufactured in China, right? Like because of, but it's like ultimately those are things that are being purchased largely here in the U.S. and in Europe, right? And so if we if we were to address this from a perspective of like we need to like I think if you just punish uh, companies for selling a good that caused carbon emission, no matter where in the world that carbon emission happened, mm-hmm. right? Then the car- then the companies will go lean on their suppliers, right? And then that that that'll like force China to create less carbon, like because I think much of the carbon emission that's happening in China is like as a result of manufacturing, right? As a result of like the usage of like these sort of huge factories to like create plastics or create steel or, you know, do all this crazy shit. So, I mean, to me, like my thinking is always like, as long as you can like hold the the high end of the supply chain accountable for all of the sins of the lower sides of the supply chain, Mm -hmm. then the high end of the supply chain will sort it out. Like, I feel the same way about like, uh, like, whatever, like uh, sweatshop slavery stuff, right? Like, hmm, as sure, long as right. I can put Nike's CEO in prison, if I discover that they're yeah. a slave made a shoe, yeah. then Nike will make sure that a slave didn't make a shoe, right? But yeah. as long as Nike's CEO or Nike's shareholders are completely like unaffected by like whether or not there's slavery going on to make their shoes, mm-hmm then they're never going to fix that problem because they're not incentivized to do that, right? And I I just think, like, generally speaking, like, you have to take the consequences for these things and take them off of the people low in the supply chain and put them onto the people high in the supply chain. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I definitely agree. I don't know enough about the supply chain and its, like, global impact and all this to to know if, like, that's the solution. It's part of the solution for sure, Mm -hmm. but... But it's a difficult thing because even if we just, even if we just um, like forget about anything we outsource, if we just put these restrictions on the U.S. itself, like it would have serious, serious impacts because of the the quote unquote green premium, like how much extra it costs to have the zero emission right. version and that's of the everything thing. that we do. It's the same thing with like uh, the minimum wage argument, right? So the main the main argument with the minimum wage is like if you increase the minimum wage but other countries don't increase their minimum wage, yeah. then you're just incentivizing countries to outsource jobs, right? Mm, yeah. Right? You're, or incentivizing companies to outsource jobs right, because yeah. it now becomes more expensive to do your labor in the country and yeah. less expensive to do out of the country. And so this is the thing. Like, all of these free trade agreements, like NAFTA, like, I have big problems with all these free trade agreements, right? Because free trade agreements essentially limit the... um limit the amount that it costs for companies to outsource jobs to certain uh, certain areas, right? So NAFTA, it's like it makes it cheaper for the U.S. to outsource jobs to like Mexico or something, right? Like that's why like Fender guitars are now made in Mexico and a lot of American cars are now made in Mexico, right? Um, okay. So my thing is like increase jobs, make free trade agreements everywhere, but you simply require the minimum wage to be met no matter where you put your job, right? You can make your guitars in Mexico, but you have to pay those people the, whatever the minimum wage here multiplied by the cost of living differential and all that stuff, right? Like you simply are not legally allowed to export a job to Mexico and pay them $1 an hour to build a guitar. Right. right? I mean, I don't under, like, it sounds great, but I, I have to imagine that there's... It's practically difficult to enforce, right? 
Well, even if you could enforce it, like to just basically charge <laughs> to make it so expensive mm-hmm. um, where one, there wouldn't be an incentive for the U.S. to outsource stuff. And and like right. that's good. Be- well, so like China basically is like a miracle of of like it's a, a modern miracle of like an entire country lifted it's not themselves really a miracle. from it's like if you throw a lot of human misery at a hard problem, you solve it. Like no, that's I how mean, they like, built the pyramids. That's how China America lifted built its themselves economy. out of poverty by industrializing, like and by very killing. Quickly. No, by, by by literally throwing their citizens on the gears of industrialization. You know, by making their people work as slaves for years and years and years and years and decades and decades and decades. Like slavery is really good at making economies big and valuable, right? Like that's what, how America worked. That's how America became such a such a superstar economy. Yeah, I, don't, we I threw can't slavery en- at the problem. I can't engage because I don't know enough about it. So I yeah. can't even say that that they did that. I can just say that like. That, yeah, that I should learn more about it to understand. I'm like, I'm just talking about like, you know, like you've got people like you've got many a factory in China with suicide nets, right? To stop people from jumping to their deaths. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's a great situation. Yeah. But, um, but like the world getting richer mm-hmm. and industrializing, like, would you say that that is a good thing? Like, like developing countries don't have access to modern medicine, life expectancy is super low, like sure. they, all this stuff that they don't, they don't have access to reliable electricity and all this stuff because, because they're not rich enough, you know? Sure. I mean, it depends, right? If that happens at the expense of all of humanity dying in the next hundred years, I would say that's a bad thing, right? Like if the only course for industrialization of the rest of the world Right, but is, take that out of it. Let's say we figure out, you know, you're saying climate impact wise. Right. So let's take well, that. But, out of but it. I mean, like, not just like, not just like climate change impact stuff, but like yeah. general, like environmental things sure. that like cause people to get sick from doing their jobs and die of, you know. But let's say whatever. like we all like innovate well enough so that it makes like so little sense to like generate electricity with fossil fuels when you just can, you know, grab your little fusion reactor. Sure. You know, for $5 that produces electricity for a city, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, so generally, I think that that's good. Um, I think that the first step of that, though, ought to, or the most important step of that is that, like, uh, it has to, like, the resources of nations have to be democratized, right? Like, because there's so many, like, incredibly rich third world countries right now um, that are just being, like, robbed. And, sure. You know, and so, like, I think that. Step one is just like we have to kind of like look at like where the power di- dynamics are and like why it is that these larger countries are able to basically just extract the resources of these smaller countries without giving, you know. And so I think because because this sort of imperialistic approach works so well with natural resources, when the next resource comes along, which is labor, right, we're going to do exactly the same thing, right? And I, I think that that's what happens is like we approach these countries and we say like, hey, wouldn't you like to be developed? All you need to do, let, do is like let us pay you $1 an hour to like manufacture sweaters in your company or in your country. And then yeah. eventually over time, like you'll like earn your way out of slavery 
and become right. like a medium tier country in the global economy or something, right? Or a top tier in the case of China. Or yeah, or a top tier in the case of China. But like I I don't I don't know. So I don't how know. else what what's the path to to uh, riches? What's the path to being a first world country? Um otherwise, like uh so I don't I don't know that in capitalism there is a path. I actually don't believe that in capitalism there is a path to uh, a relatively flat and balanced wealth, right? I think capitalism necessitates poor countries. There have to be poor countries for capitalism to continue. Hmm. Like, so ultimately, like, if too many countries get rich, some countries will have to become poor. Um, because capitalism has a bunch of shit that it needs to shovel and it needs somewhere to shovel it and it needs people to do the worst work. Right. And maybe automation can solve that. Right. Like that's kind of the hope is that like ultimately automation solves the worst working problems. Mm -hmm. Um, but as automation solves that you end up with people who die of starvation because they're not working. Right. Um, and so that's like another problem that needs to be solved. And since the supply chains don't care about who those people are, right? Like if, you know, if all of a sudden like Apple is able to like, well, like this M1 chip is a great example, right? Mm -hmm. Like say Apple like does this innovation, creates this M1 chip and no longer needs all these Intel chips. So Intel shuts down a factory in Bangladesh somewhere, yeah. right? Because now they don't need these chips anymore. Yeah. And a whole village starves. Mm -hmm. right <laughs> because th that was their entire economy was this chip that manufactured or was this chip factory yeah um apple is like completely like their hands are clean all they did was just like invent a new chip right yep. right um but someone has to take all the risk right and ultimately it becomes like the most vulnerable people take most of the risk because everyone else is insulated sure so i like uh Another story is that that tiny village in Bangladesh, um, life expectancy is super low. They don't have good, um, you know, sewage. They don't have reliable access to electricity or education. Yes. yes. So there will consider them suffering people. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, and then, you know, then they get become industrialized with, you know, this manufacturing plan for Intel chips. And now they have skills, they have electricity, they have you know uh sewage they have all this stuff san like sanitation and um whatever and then the factory shuts down um i guess it's a question of like are they better off or worse off like aren't they better off aren't they better off having like built up an economy already like there's you know like if they uh but they haven't built up an economy right because well let's assume that they have in the, the story entire like, wouldn't they if the but everything that built up around that, yeah. But the, those things aren't self-sustainable. Like, go look at go I'm look in West Virginia and Kentucky at these old coal company towns. Right, the coal company's gone. Everything Buffalo, that built up around that, yeah. But like Buffalo is a great example of like a Rust Belt town, Rust Belt city that was like booming, top tier, and then all the steel factories shut down, mm -hmm. and um, and so now like. I on my drive into the city, it's just like rusty place after rusty place on this mm -hmm. one strip of all of these old, you know, my grandpa used to work in a factory. Like it was 
All these people had factory jobs and unions with pensions and none of that exists anymore. And so there was definitely a period of sort of like a depression ish, Uh but we're, but like we've replaced uh, those jobs with other jobs. Right. But I mean, with non-industrial jobs, like Like, Baltimore has like a very similar story. Right. But the problem is that like the actual, the cycle that causes that is like a, a huge cycle of like white flight and then like a, re-emergence of like wealthy people into the into the place which then displaces all of the poor people right it's interesting uh i mean i understand what you're saying yeah that has not happened in buffalo i'm not saying that white flight hasn't happened in buffalo Mm -hmm. but there's no like wealthy people are not flocking to buffalo you know maybe you're maybe you're earlier on the curve you know sure but like traditionally that's what tends to happen right is like the place gets really bad the people who live there work really hard to make it better and yeah. as soon as they do people come in and steal it from them right it would almost be like the the intel the intel factory leaves town a bunch of these dedicated people say yeah. you know we're not going to let this town die we're going to keep it alive right we're going to start a new industry we're going to like start selling you know uh something else that we can make chips for right Mm-hmm. And so, like, they start, like, a small business. It's nowhere near the income that they used to have, but they're able to keep everyone alive. They're able to keep food coming in, you know, yep. all this stuff. And then as soon as it comes along, like, China just kind of, like, shows up on the doorstep and is like, great, we'll have this, you know? Like, thanks for thanks for keeping this factory running. Like, we'll take over. Right. How do they take over? Uh, just normally in, are you talking about in China? In, if it no, was in no, China, no, 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 no. Well, actually, it's a, it's actually the exact same way. Intel chip. No, actually, you know what? The way that China takes over is exactly the same way that it that uh, it happens in America. Okay. China offers loans to countries all the time. China's like okay. a huge lender, mm-hmm. um, and they lend for these big development projects to countries at these rates that they'll never be able to afford. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did this, for example, with uh, I forget where it was, India or uh, Turkey or something. There was like this massive port that they needed to like develop like into like a shipping hub, right? Okay. Yeah. And it was, you know, a hundred billion dollars or something, right? Just some amount of money that that this that it couldn't have been India, because that's too big of an economy. But it was a smaller country, right? And they're like, here, take the money. So then they build this port. They now owe China a huge percentage of their GDP. Okay. And China collects, right? Like China doesn't not collect. And so there's just like basically this like weird sharecropping situation going on where a lot of smaller countries are just paying out to China, right? The exact same thing happens in like American cities, right? Where it's like people come in and like you're desperate, you're trying to eat, like the city has nothing. I'm going to offer you like this. uh, Either I'm just going to directly offer you this amount of money for your house or I'm just going to buy up all the houses around you until you can no longer afford the property taxes you know, and, uh, and sort of force you into this situation where like you're forced to take the money because that's your only option. Right. Which is Mm -hmm. the position China puts these smaller countries in all the time. So back to the Intel experiment, we have the, the factory that has been shut down. Uh huh. An entire, you know, city has been, a village has been turned into a city. Mm Mm-hmm. And the main, you know, source of income. Well, the thing that I, I would say in my story is that because of that, that original source of manufacturing income, there's been 
other things that have cropped up around it. Not to say that the beating heart isn't the beating heart. Mm -hmm. So like Buffalo, lots of other industries and things have been, have cropped up around, you know, steel. Mm -hmm. Now steel's gone. Doesn't mean it's not devastating, but there's a lot built up already. So let's say that it's a similar picture. So now it's gone. So, so now we're, now we have the hardworking, you know, uh, what are the, what's the country? Bangladesh. The, The Bangladesh, the, you know, bootstrapping Bangladesh villagers that like that figure it out and get get the country or the village back up to whatever to some level of something by making like Geico insurance call centers, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we do that, and now what's the story? Like, so they're back up now. How does how does the big guy come in and be bad again? Well, the I'm just saying that that how that does often... Intel come back so and I'm... steal? So I guess what I'm saying is like at often in those situations, like you end up in a situation where you're like you have a, a whole economy that isn't actually being sustained by Geico insurance call centers. Right. So you have an economy that's getting worse and worse and worse every year as they need more and more money to keep up the infrastructure. Right. OK. So like a really good example is like if you look at like uh, a bunch of the former USSR countries that aren't like the big ones. Yeah. So like, you know, some of the big ones are doing great. But like if you look at. um if you look at like Belarus or something, right? Like these are countries where, uh, where there were like factories and stuff during the Soviet Union, right? Mm-hmm. And when the Soviet Union ended, all of that stuff went away. But there were these yeah. cities that had been built up to like for people to live in, to work in this factory that created tanks for the Soviet Union, or mm-hmm. to work in this mine that generated iron that was used to you know make these tanks yeah so as you see there's still people living there because they're there yeah but the there's no infrastructure development since the fall of the soviet union yeah right so the roads haven't been worked on since the soviet union fell yeah the buildings are not being maintained so buildings are just falling down left and right right And yeah, someone opened up a supermarket and like is making some money selling apples <laughs> and someone opened, you know, like, yeah, yes, yeah. there are these small businesses, but by and large, like I saw a guy who there's this really good uh, YouTube channel I found of this guy who just travels to random countries cool. and he, it wasn't Belarus, but it was one of those, uh, one of those smaller, uh, smaller Eastern Bloc countries. Okay. And he's staying there and as he's walking through, it's just people selling their clothes in the park. Like, that's the economy. It's, like, Mm -hmm. people selling their shit in the park. And it's all shit that they bought, like, during the Soviet Union, Mm. right? It's, like, old stuff. Like, people selling just, like, oh, here's this old sweater that I've had for 20 years. Because there's no, there's nothing. There's no natural resources. Yeah. There's no factories. There's no investment, foreign investment, right? And without that, like, you can't have an economy. So you have this weird situation where you have this, like, the shadow of a world superpower of like yeah. giant apartment buildings, these huge hotels, this like old resorts from, cause this was like a vacation city yeah. during the USSR. Right. So right. there's these old resorts and stuff that like old, like communist party members used to bring their rich families to, to fucking party. Yeah. And now it's just a desolate wasteland of like broken concrete because you can start a bunch of small businesses, but like that can't keep a city going. You need like a, you need major employers. So then what's the story? What's the story for Belarus? Is it, um, first question is, are they worse off now than when the USSR came in? He, uh, well, he asked a bunch of people in this thing 
And universally, all the old people said yes. They're worse off in the sense that like, yeah, it was better when the rich dudes were coming and partying. Or I mean, like, are they worse off that if like this never happened at all? You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, like well, if, the, the, but what I'm saying is there wouldn't be anyone there if this had never happened. There wouldn't be anybody there. Okay. Right. So like, they're this all was there just because tundra or whatever. Because industry popped up. Yeah. A demand was created from somebody from the outside, and then it was filled, and then there this thing built up. Then the then the the rug, the rug got pulled, pulled out. out. Now it's down, and now the the question is, do is there's two paths? The path, of course, to rebuilding whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. which I'm interested in the forks on that one. And then there's the, the path to uh, everybody leaving mm -hmm. or dying and leaving. Yeah, well, the problem is they can't leave because it's a small country, right? There's nowhere else to go. No one wants them to immigrate there. Okay, so they are stuck. Yeah. And so their path out of it is to... They're just getting poorer build an every generation. out of thin air. Yeah, every generation they get poorer. Yeah. So, all right. So we're assuming they don't have any natural resources. And so the only thing that they have is, is their... So what do you mean by labor? I mean, that's, that's all that you have if you don't have resources is your own labor. That's the only right. thing and you have what to is, sell. How can you turn labor... How, how can you create an economy out of labor? Is that... That's possible, right. So the right? only option is to under... The only way for a place like that to create an economy out of labor is to underbid everyone else, right? You just need to be cheaper than everyone else. Who needs the labor? American companies. Gotcha. Okay. Right? Okay. Like, so let's say that, there's take no the American there. companies out of this. Right? Take, the Ameri take America out of this. We're now on an island mm -hmm. in Belarus. They're an island. Mm -hmm. Nobody is there to want labor, right? Mm -hmm. So the economy is kaput. Mm -hmm. Gosar built something up, drew people there. Now it's over. It's all over. Yeah. So then these people are. This is what Cuba right? is, right? Like Cuba is that. It's a self-contained country that just like built its own economy. There you go. Right. <laughs> they're doing great. Yeah, they're doing there. great. They, I mean, they got a lot of help early on from the Soviets, but but like that's what their economy is, right? It's just a self-contained economy, and they're yeah. they're not doing great, great. Like you know, no, I know. their people are still poor. So can Belarus have their own self-sustaining economy? Probably not. Or so probably if they not, can't. Probably not if the goal is to have a standard of living somewhat similar to like, let's say like a poorer European country, right? Like a Poland or something like that, right? Like Poland is like not a rich country, but like yeah. people aren't just like dying in the streets Selling their of clothes poverty. in the park. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so if Belarus wanted to be something like Poland, uh, they would need to like join the European Union and like get involved in international trade. And uh, that would allow that people from Belarus to migrate to other European countries to work and stuff like that. You know, I guess what I'm saying is in the story of Belarus suffering in perpetuity, having been left with nothing, mm -hmm. is it better for them to do that? Or is it better for the U S to hire them to do work, to do, to create things? For a richer country, you know? Is it? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously it is better for any individual person for that to happen, right? Yeah. I just think that it's important to like look at like the long arc of history and the fact that these people are only poor because the U.S. made them poor, right? 
Interesting. So these people, they're poor. Weren't they poor before the U.S. was involved? But they weren't like, like they were just like normal agrarian people. Right. I think that's maybe a difference. That That's what we have to figure out. Is it better to be a normal well, but that's agrarian thing, like, person? There are almost no places. No, but there are almost no places in the world like that now. Right. All right. places in the world have now been touched by capitalism. Yeah. Everyone is now dependent on the system. Right. The U.S. and. But why are they dependent on the system? Because we gave them whatever. Right. What they wanted. You don't want to be. The, dude, a, I, I, a village I cannot, farmer I, in a rice paddy. I you don't I, like, get to. That's just so what? not true, though. Like, if you look at the history of colonialism, mean? if you look at the history of colonialism, this the like European and American stories are yeah. always like, yeah, we just showed up and they like loved no. our buttons and I gold and you know. No, it's like, no I we showed up get and we that. killed and raped them and then we like put them into slave camps. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Not cool. Mm-hmm. Super not cool. Let's say, let's say that we never colonized the U.S. Mm-hmm. UK is over there doing great mm-hmm. because Steve Jobs was born in the UK. Sure. And uh, so they're doing great over there. Mm-hmm. And but we know about the New World now. Mm-hmm. We travel there. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh man, these these shiny weapons you have. Yeah. <laughs> they're not getting shot by them. Sure. They're just so like, oh my gosh, like you can just cure disease like that and you mm-hmm. can specialize like this is fantastic. I hate being the jack of all trades and a master of nuns. I'm picking berries in the field in the morning and I'm, you know, making a fire for the longhouse at night. Right. And they're envious of the but new thing. I'm not saying like, I'm not talking about like, just like pure feudalism or like this like weird like i live i live in a a hut and eat berries like there are whole societies and cities that have been built in these societies that aren't like part of the global capitalist system right but like inevitably we go in there and make those places dependent on the global capitalist system right so like baghdad is a great example right like that like iraq or Iran is an even better example. Iran was like a thriving, wealthy, extremely liberal country for like up until the U.S. got involved in the 70s, right? Like, no, I don't know. Iran was the shit. It was like a Iran very, was where it was at. It was a very cool, Go very liberal, Iran. <laughs> very like like huge civil liberties, like okay. a super chill, vibey country, right? Okay. Until the U.S. got involved, right? Okay, so then the U.S. comes in, and then what did we do? We hired them to make our... We like, shut down the Iranian Revolution. Oh, well, what's that? There was a, there was a uh, socialist revolution during a time when the U.S. was really into having coups whenever there were socialists. And so we shut it down, and we installed a uh, government that turned out to be a government that didn't do good things, like always when we do a coup. Um and uh, then we made those people our enemy, like so, we've done in many, 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 many countries. Every like almost all of South America, almost all of Africa, almost all of the Middle East are countries that we've gone in and like installed dictators, and then they've turned out to be dictators. You know, um, this is interesting. So <laughs> I would like to know more about these U.S. installed dictators. 
Uh-huh. Um, so, D. Cole, so this capitalism thing. Mm-hmm. So your it's whole thing great. is that, like, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good because rich people are rich and they make poor people poor. And they keep uh, them poor. Is it because rich people they, they are cause rich? cause human... So capitalism... No, it's because people steal from other people. Okay. And people die because of it. That's why okay. it's bad. <laughs> so causes suffering, people steal from other people. Uh-huh. The alternative is... So I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say capitalism is bad. I would say capitalists are bad people. Right? Like the people who are at the top end, the Bill Gateses of the world, which is why it's ironic that he's writing this fucking book. Right? Funny, dude. This he is interesting. He is the cause of the I'm misery. On the, I'm on the That's Bill the Gates thing. It's like Bill Gates right is now. on a massive conscience alleviation mission for the past 15 years. But like Bill Gates is a bad person. That's an important thing to know. Like the world would be this better, is tough, dude. Ri- this but the is world tough. would be better if Bill Gates's wealth had never been consolidated in Bill in Bill Gates. Gotcha. Okay, so because so the he is suffering doing, that he's reducing with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is far far less than the suffering he caused to get that money. Really? Yeah. Drastically. You think so? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I I could get with it. I can't say because I'm I'm just throwing darts at a dartboard. I don't know. I have no way of measuring that, but it's. Um, that's an interesting, uh, theory. So, okay. So let's say that Bill Gates doesn't get rich. Mm-hmm. He, his first software idea gets ripped off right away. Cause he, he made windows open source. Sure. <laughs> Which, dude. <laughs> so great. So, um, he gets ripped and, and he's a nobody. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, we for this for the sake of this, we have to take out the possibility that somebody else builds Microsoft and does it instead of him, who's more greedy than him, because mm-hmm. that's not fair play. Although, could very well have been the case. Okay, so all of this money, Microsoft never gets created. I mean, I guess the question is like, all of the all of what Microsoft did with PCs and um, I don't know, just like Microsoft as a company. Did they uh, reduce suffering by like advancing technology and innovating and, you know, stuff like that? Like, what's the level of suffering that was reduced by innovating and pushing technology forward, which takes resources, which takes consolidated resources to do? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Uh, yes. So how? Right. So that like you ha- that has to account for something. What do you mean? I guess I'm I'm playing devil's advocate on your if Bill Gates never got rich, mm-hmm. we would be better off. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to think of the ways where we would be better off. Right. So or we wouldn't be better off. Let's like make let's take it out of the realm of Microsoft because it's kind of hard to identify like the I know the like, value of why Windows. Did we pick such a right? garbage. Um, <laughs> no, but for real, like I mean, okay, but yeah. But let's talk about like the value. Let's say like the value of. Uh, penicillin or something. Yeah, right? definitely. Say yes. it's like penicillin, right? And we... <laughs> the only thing and... good that Microsoft ever did was pinball, right? Or like, here's a really good here's a really good example is like the current um, AIDS drugs that exist, right? Okay. Like there are companies that have created drugs that yep. uh, essentially make AIDS like a non-issue if you have them, yeah, right? Or if you have HIV, like you take yep. these things, you're all good. And yeah. if you're having sex with someone who has HIV, like you take these things, you're all good, right? It makes the spread of AIDS like massively, massively 
like sure, way less it. of an issue. Got it. And so, right? And so you these people are currently charging a ass load of money for these drugs. Yeah. Right? And they're becoming incredibly yeah. rich doing it, right? Sure. Absolutely. So we can make the we can ask the question. Are these people, does the net existence of these drugs at astronomical prices that leave mm-hmm. many, 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 many people out to die of AIDS, but also save some lives if they have the money to die to, from dying of AIDS, um, does this like make the world a better place? You know? And I would say, yes, it will as soon as we kill them and take their drugs and give them to people for free. Um, yeah, I, so the alternative in this thought experiment is the AIDS drug never existed and everybody who has AIDS is just suffering and dying. Yes. And isn't that worse than much fewer people suffering? Uh, arguably, but you have to ask the question of like how much, uh, additional suffering is caused by the AIDS drug production, right? So the. Meaning, what do you mean? Meaning the exact same thing as like the Intel example, right? Like of. Right. And that's a tough thing to like, we haven't quite pinned that down in mm-hmm. this conversation because we don't know. Like we can't just like assign like, it's just a bunch of what ifs. And sure. what about all the, how come like socialism and communism hasn't done so hot in history? And what about like the this consolidation of power that comes with those types of you know, with those types of setups and how like in history, haven't we found that to like almost always be a bad thing because of like corrupt people? Uh, so yeah, we've generally found authoritarianism to be a bad thing. So how do you do this? How do you fix the world, Daniel? I, I don't know how you fix the world. I think you start by identifying the most harmful problems in the world, so right? What's and the capitalism alternative? is one. Right. What's you the alternative? To, well, first we have to universally sit down and agree that there is a problem and that we, so we want to it. work on fixing it. So right? we need a collective conscience that is like, more moral than like Caleb. the the point The problem is the point is that like the, fixing the problem is not even like on the radar of anyone who wants to fucking fix it because they all benefit from the problem, right? I know. I'm just looking for. I'm with it, mm-hmm. and I'm. You're totally good to call out these things, and mm-hmm. I'm consider this extremely educational and enlightening, Daniel. So mm-hmm. I thank you for that. But you can just like criticize, criticize, criticize. But where's where's the path to? You haven't like given me what? Where's you know where's the light at the end of the tunnel? How do we fix this situation? So I, I think eventually the criticism needs to turn into action, and I think you just have to start taking things away from those people. Uh, at first with like uh, economic pressure, right? But if they don't give it to you economically, you just do it violently. So you do it violently. And what are we doing here? <laughs> so like, for example, let's, let's just make it, let's just make it Exxon, right? Like yeah. Exxon's a great example, right? Great. Huge okay. contributor to climate change basically poses an existential threat to the human race, right? For sure. If they keep doing, the, if they and all the companies like them and all the other companies that are knowingly creating massive amounts of carbon, right? Keep doing the things that they're doing. Uh, the, we will all die, right? Yeah. Um, so we need to not die. They are never going to stop doing the things that they're doing. Yep. Cause they have known that they were killing all of us for a long time. They suppressed science. They, sure. 
You're they've right. been bad boys. They've been bad boys, and they have. They are continuing to this day to lobby against the science and make sure that the science doesn't get out, and nobody knows that they're killing us all. Bad boys. Right? So, uh, there is no amount of asking nicely that will make them stop being bad boys. Yeah. So we go to the Exxon headquarters. We fill it with laughing gas, no. and they're all they all laugh themselves to death. No, we. I mean the the best most nonviolent way of solving this problem is that we elect uh, legislators who nationalize the company and make it a wholly owned subsidiary of the government um, and then use all of the money that the company has and all of the assets that the company has to develop green energy to replace the thing, the antisocial thing that they are creating with a social thing that, that they could be creating. Yeah. Okay. So that that's good. And I dig it. I totally dig it. When I think about that, I guess like having seen american politics mm-hmm. i'm so disheartened that like we can really do anything good yep. that won't take like forever and ever and will that's, probably maybe never happen that's a really um, good point and that's so, why it's so depressing to be in america <laughs> super depressing so yeah. well no it's not depressing if you just turn your eyes to yeah if you the, just say to, whatever we're all gonna die in 100 years better have no, fun no, while no, we're no, here. no no daniel this is where you put your faith in the gates this is where you put your faith in the big capital in in like um new conscious capitalism i'm gonna say all these things are gonna trigger the shit out of you I'm but continue literally twitching me. indoors i know inside. i know but it's like well how are we gonna fix this if we can't fix it with political or economic pressure or whatever like well we can incentivize the right thing by innovating and educating well no but the thing is that like eventually the uh, political system will crumble right like the closer and more immediate the existential threat to people's lives gets, the more likely things like revolutions and stuff are, right? Like, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, I got a not really, that I'm like, I got the rose-colored stained glass window for Bill Gates at the moment. So let sure me ride did. this. Right. Wave. I mean, listen, he's a really he talks well and he's a smart guy and he's a nerd, which is so fun. Okay, he is like, he's basically dedicated all the mass, all the wealth that he's amassed to solving the world's big problems right and you're saying well how did he amass that wealth would have been great if he never did but here we're in this predicament and if every person who amassed all that wealth put their energy into innovations that it's going to raise all boats <laughs> I'm, so, I'm talking so optimistically that i again i can feel i can feel you mm-hmm. but for real like here's a guy who's like all right you know what i'm really smart i'm really rich I know a lot of really smart and really rich people and mm-hmm. I can give the smart people who don't have, who aren't rich a bunch of money so they can be rich too. And I can, we can basically funnel all this energy to the things that matter, like fixing climate change, educating mm-hmm. people and innovating and making it so that you're incentivized to use the more efficient energy solutions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so like fossil, if fossil fuels were less efficient, we'd still have a uphill battle for sure. But there would at least be the incentives would be aligned and it wouldn't be a battle against politics. And you know what I mean? So I think what you're, I think so paint for me, the picture then you're Bill Gates, you've got Bill Gates money. Yeah. Um, how do you make Exxon stop doing bad things with that money? Oh, so you write a book, you write an open letter, you educate people, Mm -hmm. which he's doing. You get on all these things and you start speaking and you, you're a person, whatever. Okay. So you you do that. You're Mm -hmm. educating. And you invest in innovation mm-hmm. so that there's alternatives to Exxon mm-hmm. that are so, cheaper 
and better. Okay. Right? Sure. That would be great. So what if that doesn't happen fast enough and we all die anyway? If that doesn't happen fast enough, we're probably going to die for sure. Sure. So we've got 10 years. <laughs> we have more than 10 years, but... Okay. But I mean, like, we need to be decreasing and we're increasing, right? For sure. We're increasing freight train. So this needs to be like a very rapid turnaround, right? Yeah. Um, the market has known about this problem for a really long time. For sure. All right. And green energy companies have been subsidized by the government for a really long time. Yeah. Subsidized to an extent way higher than Bill Gates is subsidizing them. Right? Like okay. these, there's already massive investment in these green energy companies from the US government. Yep. Right? And still the market does not Sometimes. solve this problem. Yep. So what's the alternative again? <laughs> the market is not going to solve this problem. So so the solution to the problem is you have what? the only thing that is bigger than the market is the government. That's the problem. And so it has to end with the government shutting down the market globally. Well, we only have one government for our country, so it would have to I first know. start with American con- companies. Yeah. Luckily, the Amer- America is the top of the supply chain, right? Yeah. And so things that happened in the US have trickle down effects to other countries. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think the EU is probably going to do it before we do it. I think China is going to do it before we do it. Japan's going to do it before we do it. You think so? Because we're morons. Yeah, we are morons. We're literally the only country where <laughs> half the people don't believe that this is happening. I know. It's, it's we're pretty, absolute uh, morons. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I have very little faith in, in, the, in uh, everybody getting on board. But it's with, like um... we're the dumbasses <laughs> at the front of the bus driving the bus into the wall. I feel the same. And literally, way. the entire world's sitting there, like, uh, "There's a wall there." See, the and, thing is, though, and what eventually you just have to kill the bus driver and drive the bus yourself, because <laughs> otherwise so everyone dies, right? right? Like, no, no, I agree. Um, I think I just optimistically have faith in that the bus driver is going to figure it out. <laughs> that the smart people are going to win. They're going to convince the bus driver. Yeah, like, um, yeah, it's tough because I don't, I don't know. I don't have a bunch of examples to pull out, but I guess I'm just optimistic and I have faith that like we have more smarts and technology than we've ever had, like by a long shot Mm -hmm. and we're increasing at a rapid rate and there's a problem that people who are smart know about and are putting energy into solving and we have people who are rich talking about it and Mm -hmm. making it a known thing. We're working at it. Disney World has uh, uh, recyclable straws, which is a huge leap for mankind. Um, it's going to solve the problem. And because of that, we will uh, we'll be all right. So when is like the last time that you ever saw that happen in America? Like when's the last time there was like a big important threat? Like coronavirus. Right. It's working great. And look at us now. I'm yeah, getting my vaccine and like. Four days. Yeah, it only took a year. It's crazy. Half a million people died. It is true, though. I mean, wasn't a great situation. We definitely mm-hmm. did a bunch wrong, mm-hmm. but we got some stuff together. We elected a guy who could like do some stuff. Yeah, who cared a little bit more about. That's literally it. what I'm saying, though, is like the only solution in that case is to like 
have government mandate that things. one it was really helpful to have the government in on that one yeah that was <laughs> what i'm saying for anything help. because the market is not incentivized to do it right no businesses right. are yep. incentivized to just shut down and not let people in for sure right oh yeah no yeah, people are incentivized to like stop working and just hang out yep. at their house yep. like the market incentives are all fucked up and they're anti-social incentives right and so when the market has anti-social incentives the only option is to have the government step in and be like here's a bunch of money to make this go away yep yep i don't know man i uh it's been good it's good it's been good, good. this is a good wild podcast we didn't talk about any of the things we had to talk about can we touch on open source really quick yeah because that's how we end our podcasts now mm-hmm. with like really juicy conversations that we can't finish mm-hmm. um mark swanson mark pretty sure it's mark swanson mark swanson matt swanson matt swanson matt swanson you know him uh, this is the Ruby guy, really, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, shout out to Matt Swanson, listener of the show. And he's just been engaging in really like cool, helpful ways on Twitter. For so sure. I just yeah, like yeah. want to shout him out like in general. Um, but he, he, uh, are you, are you drinking on, during the show, Deke? It's cream creme soda. de la creme. Cream soda. Um, so he, he was like, hey, yeah, about your whole like open source licensing thing. And he pointed me to, um, some other licenses and to this whole thing with Google and Java, Google and Oracle, um, Google like ripping off. I don't even know the details, like technical details, but like basically what did Google do? They like created a new system where the API was, let's just for this thought experiment, this is not fact. Let's say that Java exists and has a bunch of SDKs and APIs for stuff like whatever, making mm-hmm. network requests and stuff. And Google was like, all right, well, we're going to create our own thing because of whatever reason. I honestly haven't studied up on this since uh, I read about it, but we're going to create our own thing because we don't want to make a deal with Oracle or because something. Mm-hmm. But because all the developers know that Oracle stuff and it's pretty good API, we're just going to jack the API. <laughs> so it's the exact same API. This is That's a great funny. example of the stuff we've been talking about. And so it went to court and they just legislated that um, that it's all right, Google. It's like not yeah. like basically like you can steal apis <laughs> it's not for sure from open like, source code yeah it wasn't open source oh well this is like what compact did right like this is the you ever watch that um halt and catch fire show no it's about like the start of compact oh cool um and it's basically like they're like a ragamuffin texas tech company okay and they want to make a pc that's interoperable with the ibm pc okay um, and so they have a stolen copy of the BIOS. Okay. That's like a printed out book. Oh. Um, and they have an IBM PC, but they can't just use this code because then they're stolen it. So yeah. they hire like a smart programmer to like build it without ever reading the BIOS. Nice. Yep. It's like, it's a really interesting thing. It's very interesting. And this is kind of the same, same idea here. Um, and so it sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole on this decision. And, and so, uh, the thing I ended up like reading somewhere was like copyright is not meant to protect authors. That's not its original intent. It's not meant to reward authorship basically. So this is all good. The, the original intent of copyright is to spur innovation and creativity Mm -hmm. first, um, by, protecting authors for a specific for amount a of time period of time right. for a limited period of time um to give them the opportunity to you know reap the benefits of that innovation and keep innovating 
Um, but then it's like good to have like stuff freely available, you know, mm-hmm. and not like locked down. Um, it's for the public good. So that was interesting to me. That was just an interesting, uh, interesting thing. Cause I'm still struggling with this whole ripoff thing because, um, there's that part of me that loves that everything is open and free and available and just has that optimism of like the free transparent world where like everything is great and innovators innovate and nobody does anything bad and it's all good. Um, but then that other part of me, the, the part of me that sort of sees some of the dark side of that, that's like, oh, this is why copyright exists. This is why patents exist. This is right. why we have protections against people, you know, just stealing other people's work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't really have any new thoughts on that, but. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't want to go on tough. a whole other rant about capitalism, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but we're here, so <laughs> this is this was like the worst episode to tack this on the end of because I feel like I've already drained my soul. Yeah, yeah, no, the, we don't have to get into it. I did just watch your your labor spiel, mm-hmm. your Daniel in car getting coffee talking mm-hmm. about the value of labor, and it was great. I mean, it's nothing I don't know because I'm friends with you, mm-hmm. but uh, but it was good to hear it, you know, succinctly portrayed yeah. in ten. The minutes. secrecy thing is really interesting. Yes, I this like is that. the thing is like I am much stronger on tech company labor policy than i am on uh like global supply chain management right like for sure this co- this whole conversation has been very like flying off the hip for me you know and like i enjoy it because like those are my favorite conversations like i don't fucking know i'll make up a solution right yeah, yeah like yeah. a solution that's consistent with my worldview right yep same. but like i'm not like an educated person when it comes to like Thank you for acknowledging that. Macroeconomics, Deco. right? So I don't, uh, so I don't like. Uh, um, so anyway. you don't have to deal with all the tweets. <laughs> no, so that I don't like um, assume you have like read up on all this stuff more than you have. You know. Uh, yeah, I well, this is the thing. It's like I don't actually know how much there is that I don't know, right? So like I could be totally right on some things. But then there's other things where there's like a whole ver- whole variable I don't know about. It's right? good conversation. It's all fair yeah. play. Like I learned a lot for sure. But it's like, you know, it's helpful to know that like, you know, I mean, I'm con- I'm always shooting from the hip. Good. Thank God. Um, so it's good to know. You what know, would the show be if just we weren't as shooting dumb from as the me. hip? Daniel? Mm-hmm. Oh, on the labor thing. Okay. Here was a thought I had when I watched your thing. So everybody, if you want, go to danielcolborn.com slash YouTube. Uh, just kidding go to to youtube and search daniel colborn because it'll Mm -hmm. come up right or just go on my twitter it's a couple days or like a week ago um and he just is driving in a car and talking about the value of labor and whatnot and here Mm -hmm. i'm I'm gonna give it i'm gonna give this spiel to the user because i'm gonna do it real quick cool you got labor that's people doing stuff for money sometimes not even for money and Oh, what is it? The value of work. 100% of the value of work is labor. Is 100% of the value of everything is labor. Oh, right. Okay. So the value of everything is labor, right? People doing work. And there's situations on one end of the spectrum, like slavery, where the people who are doing the work get zero, capture zero of zero dollars of the value, whatever, 0% of the value of their labor. Not cool. Then on the other spectrum, end of the spectrum, you have something like a collective or something where everybody collects 100% of the value of their labor. And then you have the stuff in between, and then we'll just point, put our finger on the map at uh, tech agencies and how some agencies, um, every I guess like there's a whole spectrum of agencies where how, how much do the, the workers 
capture of their own labor. And so you have a situation where you might be paid like, you know, 30 grand a year, let's say, but the agency charges like 250 an hour for your work. And so they're paying you all the, you know, benefits, of course, in excess of your salary, but they're also taking like a massive chunk and generally they're hiding it from you. Um, you know, they're doing this and they're like, and you don't know how much they charge. Like it's difficult to get the information of like how much they charge per hour. If there's other investors that they have to pay off and like, these are all company secrets. And so Daniel basically posits like, that's a smell. Like if your company has a bunch of secrets and you don't know like how much people make, how much they charge, what their revenue is, if there's investors in the company, like if there's stuff like that, like the more secrets there are, it's more of a red flag that there's more, um, theft. uh, uh, theft. Yes. Theft of labor. So, um, I'm going to start this by saying that I don't necessarily agree with anything you said, just so that nobody thinks that I'm like on a bandwagon. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I do respect it. I hear it and I agree with a good amount of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there w- one thought I had, but, but you know, my, I walk into all of these conversations extremely hesitantly mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, it's better uh, content. If we disagree way better content, if we disagree devil's advocate, you know, yeah. I also like, um, have a really hard time, like taking something that I don't, you know, that, that I don't have, I can't connect the dots myself. Like mm-hmm. I could just like repeat everything you said, but I wouldn't own it. I need to own it. Of course. Um, and yeah, so I can't just inherit like a bunch of opinions. Sure. Um, and, and that's that. And that's why I position myself the way I position myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dan Cole, uh, so he, here's the thought I had about capturing the value of labor. So if all the value of, of right, th- this is the thing that you have to help me along with. The 100% of the value, what is it? All value is, <laughs> what's the thing? All value is labor. Yeah, all value comes from labor. Uh, all value the, comes the, from labor. I left out and natural resources, but value, okay, labor and natural resources helpful. are the only two sources of value. Right. So, like, what about a situation where? What about a car wash company? That's what popped into my head. Like, mm-hmm. you own a car wash franchise. They mm-hmm. maintain themselves. It's a machine. Sure. It provides Someone built value to people. Right. So let's say a machine built that machine. Right. Someone. Okay. Built so that one. Machine. One person builds a machine, but one there, person. There, so automation is a whole other conversation. Let, like, let's just leave out automation for now. Okay. Then let's say, um, ah, I live, you're going to pick this one apart for other reasons. I am born on a natural uh, spring water fountain. Yes. I have really good access to clean water. Mm-hmm. And I sell access to that clean water because mm-hmm. it's my land. And you might say... No one owns land, maybe like uh, uh, colors of the wind type deal, or <laughs> no? no? Okay, I, then I we'll go on. People can it. own land. Yeah. Okay, great. So I own land. This is my my fountain. Okay, that uh-huh. well, that's the natural resource thing. So forget yeah. about that. So you're selling um, natural resources, right? Okay, I am born. Up, that would be my labor. <laughs> um, let's so see. here's here's the common counter example. Great. Thank um, you for steel manning my argument. Yeah. So the common counter example is I take $50 and I put it in the stock market and it comes back as $100. Okay. I didn't do any work for that $100. Yeah, I guess, but someone did. Right. That's, and that, the, that's my the brain point. would go there. Right. And quickly. that's, that's like the rebuttal to that. Right. But it's like, th- that's an important one to note because like that quickly covers all of the like, investment or like money earning money sort of Mm -hmm. things is that like money only earns money because value was added to your money by someone else's labor 
Right. So, okay. So here's, here's the two things. The one thing that, that got stuck in my head was automation, but you've sort of declared that like a different conversation. And so great. We'll like put automation aside for a mm-hmm. sec. Let's say that this is probably the more common counter that, that you'll definitely have a response for. I'm a proprietor. Mm-hmm. I, I realize that in the world, there doesn't exist an inexpensive, delicious cheeseburger and fries and milkshake. These things don't even exist. Sure. But I dream them up because I do a ton of research mm-hmm. into the methods. I spend years. This is exactly, by the way, what Adam started DMing me about this immediately. Adam. Wathen. The, the direction you're going Adam went the exact yeah, same yeah, place. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. Because you could use the same thing with, with stuff that... Okay. Right. So I'm pouring years and years into the chemistry. Mm-hmm. I learned chemistry. I spend my entire life perfecting the cheeseburger. Sure. And then I go and I create my first McCaleb's. Mm-hmm. And you go to McCaleb's and... Right. So I start producing these myself. But I go, you know what? I should be spending all my time on the hard whatever. Okay. So I, I hire somebody $10 an hour mm-hmm. to flip mick caleb's burgers mm-hmm. and sell them right mm-hmm. and i pay them a pretty low wage mm-hmm. but the burger costs a lot mm-hmm. and i'm capturing all that money because mm-hmm. i'm like well i'm the guy who made i'm i you know this is the sure. trade secret so let's take for a moment the idea that like once you get down into the nitty-gritty of how do you calculate the value of different types and amounts of labor mm-hmm. um the questions are harder, but I think that that's a good place to be because that means that you've already accepted the premise that all value comes from labor. If we're having that conversation. Oh, I guess. I mean, I, I have to really think about it, but sure. I just, I just want to get away from, uh, this is like a common thing that happens in in these sorts of debates is that because you can't build me the entire world with all of the specifics that your basic premise is flawed. Right. Um, and so I, I would argue that just because there are still questions once you dig past the surface level um, doesn't mean that the actual premise is untrue. It just means sure. that because the premise is true, now we have to answer a bunch of new questions. Well, I don't think that means that either. It just means or, or, sorry, that like, but there are questions sure. we have to answer. <laughs> if the premise is true, there are still questions we need to answer, right? For sure. Um, What's the value of intellectual property, so of innovations, stuff Let's like just that? ignore intellectual property, but innovation is a great question, right? Because innovation is a kind of labor, right? Okay, yeah. And it adds value. So let's assume for a moment, and I'm not saying that this is true, right? Or that this is the right way to do it. But let's assume that we, all we care about is hours of labor done. Right. So say you put in 2000 hours of upfront work getting to the point where you could open the business. Right. And say that we were somehow able to distinguish like when you were learning chemistry in a way that was just fun and when you were learning chemistry in a way that actually led. Right. I put 100,000 hours in. Sure. Let's say you put 100,000 hours in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you hire a person and they. And I'm a savant. My 100,000 hours is worth a million hours of a simpleton. Uh, that's not a thing. Innovation comes from it. It, it was divine. I'm a prophet, and it came from the divine. Daniel. Okay. Okay. Why? So I guess I, I'm trying to throw a wrench in your quantifying my my initial effort. Right. Why are you trying to do that? 
because that's an intangible. No, but Caleb, what I'm saying is like, let's get slightly more complex one step at a time. Okay, all right, all right. I'm okay, taking all right. one I'm step of complexity. Two steps. I get you, I get you. Um, <laughs> I was like, yes, why are you doing the wrench in my works? Um, okay, but let's say that like you do 100,000 hours of work, right? Yeah. Doing uh-huh. the thing. So then you hire a person for $10 an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for every hour that that person works, you make $20 in profit for their $10 of, right? Yeah. So like they keep $10, you keep $20 every time yeah. they work, yes. right? At some point, this person has now worked 100,000 hours, right? Yep. The, so the business just stays. You put in no additional labor, Yep. right? You just sit there and collect checks. And they put in all the labor and eventually they have now worked a hundred thousand hours in this business. And you have also worked a hundred thousand hours in this business. Right. And yet you are keeping twice as much money as they are. Ah, so, okay. Okay. Yes. How I would argue that at that point, there's no way to claim that you are not exploiting this person. Okay. So, their 100,000 hours is burger flipping 100,000 hours. It's McCaleb burger flipping. Mm-hmm. My 100,000 is Harvard level scholarship. Mm-hmm. Those are not different 100,000s. What do you mean? Okay. I innovate on something. You know what I'm saying? Like if I have a ton of knowledge and I'm wicked smart. Yeah. Well, but I mean, there, like there are, we can go down this route, right, of saying like... I think that's a big... That's one of the big uh, right. wrenches in and the that's operation. Why I'm, that's why I'm saying that like just doing this purely by hours is an oversimplification of everything. Right. Right? Right. Right. Then let's zoom in a level because beyond Because there are, there are other things hours. too, right? Which is that like flipping burgers is really boring, whereas learning is really interesting. So maybe people should get paid more to do shittier work. Right? I uh, know. Let's say that... Um... <laughs> you just... You did your thing that you do sometimes when you like pause and you go. Uh. <laughs> I've, tr- I've drawn this to your attention before, right? You're just like, it's just a little like so tiny and so subtle, like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So okay, but so but like let's assume for a second that like a hundred thousand hours is a hundred thousand hours, okay? Yeah, and that like one is like more okay. physically demanding, one's more mentally demanding, one's more boring, one's more fun. Who cares? A hundred thousand hours, a hundred thousand hours, right? Mm-hmm. So now you get to the point where like you've both worked a hundred thousand hours on this business. Mm-hmm. How does one person have a right to two thirds of the money? Cause they started it. Why? Why does that give them the right to two thirds of the money? Because that spark is like, you know, that the... spark was generated by a hundred thousand hours of labor. They're already being compensated for that. No, spark. no, it's infinity. That's bullshit. That's a lie. No, the proprietor assembles the, the thing okay so now that person dies right you you did yeah. that hundred thousand dollars of investment you die your son now owns the business yep that person's done zero labor and yet he still deserves two-thirds of my money yeah no he um i mean he's the progeny I'm, of the person who started it it's uh so what who cares i guess that person has done nothing to deserve this thing so this is where the evil capitalist in me comes out uh-huh. Why can't the person like if you if you're wicked smart uh-huh. and you assemble some things and create something that generates 
income, mm-hmm. value, revenue, whatever. Mm-hmm. Provides value, generates income. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is so primitive. Please dismantle this immediately. Why don't I get to make the rules and benefit in the ways I want to benefit? It's this. It's this concept. I think what it, what it doesn't take. So right, I think let's generally speaking, right? Generally mm-hmm. speaking, you do have the right to do. Like this is generally what I would th- say. You have the right to do whatever you want until it starts hurting society. Right. So at some scale, this this mode of thinking, where like I'm the proprietor, I assemble the thing. Because at a small scale, it's like I created, you know, whatever. I created Make VS Code Awesome. Provides a bunch of value, but you know the internet doesn't exist. So I'm having people, you know, I'm having monks write down the book. And they're getting paid some small amount while I'm taking a bunch of the money. And I can do that because it's my work. It's my rules. It's a small thing. Yeah. But alternately, I create, um, I in I figure out fossil fuels. I, I discover um, steam and generators and energy and motors and everything. I invent it all mm-hmm. out of thin air. And now it's mine and I own it. But the entire world uses and relies on it. And I make all the rules that's bad like at some point like right that's, so that's what to we're your saying. original question though of like why can't i you can like you have the power to do that in the current system because it's a bad system right like you can do that i'm just saying you you didn't earn that money that money is unearned gotcha. and the other person is earning that money and you're taking it from them by power and so that's called theft interesting Daniel, it's tough because if there all is, money is a tipping earned, scale, right? If every single money that is Money's. changed, if every single monies is earned, right? A money cannot be transferred without being earned. Let's just, that's a good example of saying uh, all value comes from labor, right? Okay. All money transferred is earned. Someone earns it, right? And if I you are dead. I don't connect that dot. You just decide you're going to give me a hundred bucks right now. Do it. Let's do this okay, as an example. Sure. Actually. Let's not say gifts. no. Let's actually literally gifts. do this as let's, an example. Let's, okay. Can we cut? Can we say that gifts actually don't affect supply and demand curves at all? Okay. I I love it. I'm in. You know. So let's say that I give you a haircut because God knows you need one. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a joke, by the way. My hair is twice as long mm-hmm. as yours. I give you a haircut. Mm-hmm. And charge you twenty ten dollars, and then I earn it. Okay, so gifts aside, okay, earned, sure. Right. I'm in the stock market. I make a hundred bucks. I earned that. No, you didn't earn that. Someone else earned it, and you stole. Okay, it. great. So, yeah. but so in that case, the value is transferred without it being earned. No, no, it's earned by someone. It's just gotcha. the value great. doesn't always end up in the pocket of the person who earned it. I'm with it. Go okay. on. So what I'm saying is, when you are dead, you are doing no earning but there's still money being transferred, right? So you have to ask who earned that money, right? Because that money was earned by someone who earned it. Well, the mm-hmm. only possible answer is that the laborers, the people who actually did the work to cause that transaction to happen, those are the people who earned it, right? Uh, if you consider earning the, like the, let's say, let's say you have, ah, you have a complex machine like a MacBook, mm-hmm. right? Right. So th- this, again, 
a hundred percent. But but again, no, Caleb, I think this Caleb, is a please stay no, in the simple example first before we go to the complex example. No, I think I am. But, but you won't answer the question on the simple example. You only want to take it to the complex example first. So okay, I'll answer the question on the simple example. Yeah, Give it to yeah, me. Yeah. Okay, the guy dies. So you're dead. Who I'm earned? Dead. Who earned that money? The next burger flipper at McCaleb. And now that twenty, that thirty dollar burger where they get ten dollars of it, mm-hmm. and I normally get twenty, but now I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I still earned the money. You're dead. There is no you. Right. It goes in. I I decide. That's the thing. Like we can't even talk about death. We can't talk about death. Okay. Sure. Because that that's another variable. So you, but you earned twenty. So let's okay. Let's uh let's say you're alive, right? You're alive. Well. You and the laborer have both now done 100,000 hours of labor, right? So, like, total time invested in the business, we're now Well, even. then we're back to the reduction of just hours being the only sure, quantifier. Sure, sure, sure. Well, here's, here's all I'm <laughs> saying. Like You're paying this person $10 an hour, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they're generating $30 an hour, and you're keeping yeah. 20 right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is it that you have earned $20 an hour instead yeah. of $15 an hour? Hmm. How do sure. you know that that the value of your labor is exactly twenty instead of fifteen? Ah, because I decide that, and this is it. Because I can get somebody to do that work for ten. Right? Why if does I could get somebody to do it for five? I would. But why do you get to? So you get to decide the value of your own labor? Is what you're saying? Everyone no. gets to decide the value of their own labor. No, the value. No, for me. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, totally. I get to decide that. No, no, no. The market tells me what the value of my labor is what do you mean the market said that they'll pay 30 dollars for a burger and the market also said that they'll flip a burger for five dollars an hour mm-hmm. and so great let's do that five dollars sure, an hour for the but burger but if you flip. go put a gun to someone's head they'll flip a, dollar, a burger for zero dollars an hour is that the market that's off sides why is that, that offsides? no that's, that's absolutely off-sides. not offsides. totally is no because people will starve and die if they don't get money to eat right it's the same thing wait wait, wait. If I put somebody, if I put a gun to your head and said, "Pay me a thousand dollars for this cheeseburger," you would. <laughs> yes, I would. Doesn't mean the cheeseburger is worth a thousand dollars. I thought the value was whatever people would pay for it. The going rate, Daniel, without guns being held to every person in the world's head. But Caleb, guns are being held to every person in the world's head because everyone will starve if they don't get money, right? Every laborer has a gun at their head. So, ah. Uh... Especially I'm, I'm, burger flipping laborers have a gun at their head. I don't. I'm not drawing the. the I'm not drawing the line, Daniel. Okay, so if I don't get the money, yeah, I starve and die. Right. That's a gun. I, mean, at I don't my head. think that's right. I feel like that we just like made a huge leap there. Sure. Okay. Let's assume that there's not a welfare state, right? Let's assume that there's not you know all sorts of other things to save people from capitalism. Yeah right um but like essentially if a person and let's assume that i'm not willing to go steal food to live right yep and Mm -hmm. that i'm only i'm a very moral person and i will only uh make a purchase with money to get food to live right that's my only option so if i do not work and get money i will die of starvation right okay yes sure and so what that means now what that means is that I will work for as little as is necessary for me to survive, right? 
And if there is, if I don't have any power in the situation to demand more money than than literally starvation wages, yeah, right, then then I'll ride that wave for sure. Right. And so what that means is, if you, so in a dynamic between an employer and an employee, right, one has all the yep. power, or there's a balance of power, right? Each has some certain amount of power, right? Yeah. All the laborers could decide that if we if we can live without food for five days, but this guy can't live without money for two days, right? We'll stop working for him, starve him out. Sure. Um, that's not we'll even that's not higher. even what I'm talking about, though, right? Like, I'm I'm specifically talking about like what is right, not like what who has the power, right? And I think this is the thing is that like the 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 idea is that like the value of my labor or the value of my labor of like innovation or whatever is yeah. literally whatever I'm capable of getting. Right. Yes. That's how much it's worth. It's worth right. whatever I can extract. Right. And, yep. uh, whereas I think that that labor actually has a value and you should know what it is up front, And then whatever's left over is by nature, the value of whoever's doing the work. What if you're the person doing the work? What if it's an ebook? Yeah, then you own 100% of the value. What do you mean? What if it's an ebook and you have to have like one employee who's, who like sells it or something? Sure. How much work is that person doing? Let's say they're working full time and I'm not working at all. Right. That's a good question. Intellectual property is an interesting question. You know what I'm right? saying? Adam's question was like, uh, Adam's example was like, say you invent like a cool, a cool sandwich, right? Yeah. And McDonald's says, hey, we're going to let you sell that sandwich in McDonald's stores. Right. Yeah. You're going to make way more money on that sandwich selling it yes. in a McDonald's than you would have selling it somewhere else. Right. right. So yep. like how much of the value of that sandwich is McDonald's creating, even though they're not doing any work, you're selling it in the stores, you're making the sandwiches, you're doing everything. Right. But like. But they're, you're not doing everything. But like, if you were doing everything, you could do it on your own. Right, but but the thing that you're not doing is like uh, creating the brand of the Golden Arches and doing the marketing yeah. that gets people in the doors. Exactly the and, years and years and years of everything that went into that. Right, and I think that there's a bunch of people working. That thing, I guess the, here's maybe where I'm at. You can't quantify that. Of course stuff. you can't. Of course you can't. So what we go off of is the what the market will let you do. Why that instead of any other bad quantification? What's another bad quantification? Hours worked. Because it's way worse. Why is it I think way worse? That's because, <laughs> because you can't quantify. <laughs> okay, why is it worse? Well, so we've already established that it's bad. <laughs> right. So how do we figure why is the why is the market demanding it worse? Uh, because it leads to massive income inequality and people dying who don't right. need to die because they don't have healthcare because they can't afford it. So they die because they can't afford it. Instead. Right. So the hours worked <laughs> undervalues the inventors and proprietors and people who, you know what I mean? Right. And I would say undervaluing those people is better than undervaluing the laborers, which is what the current right. system You're, does. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. like if you have to err on one side or the other, undervalue the rich people instead of undervaluing the poor people. Yeah. Um, so how does this work? What do you do? You like, let's just say that, that everybody just has like a really good conscience and agrees to like, yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. So then they still have to figure out a way to quantify their own hours and they're incentivized to over quantify. 
Sure, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, time tracking software is difficult. So same thing with taxes. Everyone's encouraged to lie on their taxes, right? Everyone's incentivized to lie on their taxes. Ultimately, the system kind of works out generally, right? No, the taxes are a concrete thing. What do you mean? That you can lie thing? or not lie. No, there's lots of things that are very vague in taxes, right? Like, like what? Oh, like uh, I bought this MacBook and I did play a lot of RuneScape on it, but I also did use it a lot for work. Is that a work expense? I don't know. Definitely vague, sure. You know, Daniel, don't don't use real examples. Oh no, that's not me. That's like a, another. I was just joking. <laughs> Auditors listen to the show. Yeah. Um. Okay, Daniel. So where where do we leave this here? You're saying, all right. So taxes are a hard thing to quantify. Well, so are ours. So how does that help that's us? That's what I'm if saying. We're incentivized to lie, like. Right. Well, it's exactly it's exactly the same thing. It's like yeah, you there is some self reporting required, right? And, like, eventually you could, like, go back and audit and be like, all right, well, let me see the receipts. Like, how much time did you actually spend on this, you know? And, like, maybe that happens to a random selection of people and, like, some people go to prison for lying for it, you know? It's in pretty the same tough, way that taxes dude. are. This, this whole thing is so much easier in the agency scenario because the most of what you're getting is the work. You're paying for work. Mm-hmm. Like, no, directly. that's not true because, like, Titan has a brand, right? Titan's an No, I know, game. but you know what I mean? Like, thing that you're transacting, like, if mm-hmm. you... If you went to Titan in with a product company with like McCaleb's, it's like you're either going to get the McCaleb burger that's signature and has the secret sauce, or you're going to get the off-brand that's not good and they don't have the sauce. Mm-hmm. Where with like Titan, like half the people could leave Titan, just decide to be on, be entrepreneurs on their own, and I'd be getting the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I hired them. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I guess what I'm just saying is it's everything's more straightforward in an agency scenario where it's more like Yeah, and that's why I love agencies. Titan didn't invent. That's something. why I love agencies as like the the uh breeding ground for these ideas is that like an agency is the most nakedly straightforward example of this yep. type of thing. Yeah, that's true. Right? It's very true, yeah. Um but at the end of the day, like it just requires a little bit of abstraction to like see that like Netflix is exactly the same as an agency. Right. They have a certain amount of money coming in. They have people in the middle who are doing all the work to keep that money coming in. And then they have people who are taking the extra money on the back end. The hard thing is that agencies are selling hours of work generally. Right. But I mean, so is Netflix, right? It's like however many hours of work are getting done, that's what they're selling. No, because if they uh, like Netflix could just be like, all right, well, like uh no net netflix because it's a a digital copyable thing a stream can be streamed 10,000 times more and not cost any more labor that's not true though because like they're assuming that netflix that, like, has all these servers like, scaling are super, problems and stuff no 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 like servers are great it's all why do we why do we assume that daniel we're assuming that the str- I hear you. I hear you. Go for it. You you understand? Like it's uh-huh. a valid. Like I don't have to justify what I'm saying, right? Sure. Yeah. Like digital copying mm-hmm. is like another wrench in this operation. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you think that like Reed Hastings should keep. So if revenue increases 10x for the same amount of money, right? Like say like that's what I'm saying. It's not like for an agency to make 10x, they produce 10x more work. Mm-hmm. You know, for Netflix to produce 10x, 10x more people sign up. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like Netflix has to hire a bunch of people to like roll the tape for all those people. It's like, it's the same system. For sure. 
Uh, I mean, I think that there are generally like levers that cause people to sign up and those things are caused by work. And this part of the conversation is happening right now, Daniel, mm-hmm. because you drew a parallel between agencies and Netflix and said it's the same thing. And I'm I said sorry. no. Um, so it's yeah, not the same No, but thing. I think that, well, they are the, so I would argue that they should be <laughs> right, the same that, thing. <laughs> right? Right. Yes. That's what you're arguing. And so like that the percentages what we started this what by saying should agencies keep, should stay the same. Agencies are a good example because they're transparently this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Netflix exactly. is not because it's not. It's not transparent. Otherwise, we're like just that. circling back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's not transparently that for sure. Yes. All we'll right, Daniel. Okay I mean, that. we're at an hour and 43. I Dude, feel like we've we covered We finally the did like an here. episode where we actually didn't talk about anything except for like Daniel's crazy beliefs about things. It's true. But it, I mean, it's, it's relevant in the sense that we talk about. It's relevant for me as a like budding proprietor. You know, because like these are good, these are good things to, yeah. And you too. These are good things to kind of like, kind of figure out, talk about. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm, what I'm very interested in, you know what the good thing is here? You're the one with these moral stances. And I'm the one who's going to have to go fucking do something with them. Exactly. This is the game I'm playing, like morally ambiguous, just, you know, kind of hearing all sides. Yeah, oh, let's, let's just hear what you have to say, you know. Exactly, I'm, I'm but a, like you're going to go and build a I'm business a and I get to throw this in your face. Exactly. It's going to be when great. When you start I'm profiting honestly, like, big time. And this is the thing that I'm honestly most excited for. Like, is to The like, opportunity to be called on it? No, the opportunity to actually try this and see if any of it works. Oh, to try it and see if it, okay. You know, like to see if I can. The interesting thing is you're a money-making guy like i know that about you like yeah, i like you're to make a money. skeeving like I'm dirty skeeving i'm not <laughs> dirty come on i'm just joking no you're you're like an actually like enterprising person you know yeah, yeah like who wants to like generate wealth oh i love generating wealth and this is hilarious to me that like you've you've put your foot down on all this stuff but extremely you know what admirable. i like Caleb? i like extremely admirable. money i like to get money that i earned you know? Right, so we're gonna have to quantify some of that earning, Daniel. Yeah, and that's what I'm really looking forward to is like getting into a situation where it, I'm not just the laborer sitting here like saying I earned more money than this. Like you should give me more money than this. No, I earned more. Yeah. I earned more. Right, but getting yeah. into a situation where like somewhat like I'm really interested to just test my own metal, to test my own morality, to test my own beliefs, to test the practicality of the things that i think are practical right and like go out and be like oh like you earned more than this like here's what you actually earned like Mm -hmm. i can quantify it because i know how much money came in i know how much money went out and like i know how many of us worked how much you earned a lot more money than you think you did yeah right um i had a really cool two-hour conversation with you know jeff seagal from twitter do you know this person yeah he's a view select Mm -hmm. view select um, I had like a two-hour conversation on Zoom with Jeff Segal the other oh, day. Oh, seriously? He also wants to start uh, an agency that is a collective and is based on kind of Marxist principles. Word. So we might do that That's at cool. some point. Do it. We're just talking. You'd be a good person We're just to people do talking. It's a couple of dudes. A couple of dudes talking. A couple of dudes talking. That's really cool. All right, Daniel. My eyes are starting to gloss over. Should Dude, we check uh this check been the YouTube so live stream? Long. Yeah. Uh, is there I really def- fourteen people still watching? I can't believe they're still watching, honestly. Fifteen. Right, throw in the like. chat. Like who's still watching? Uh, this? I'm from Poland. Poland is divided into East and West. Mental like EU. Daniel Oh, uh, we got a lot Daniel to catch got up his on. history lessons from the Communist Manifesto. You have no idea what it was like in the USSR before capitalism came and collapsed. Probably true. Um 
<laughs> How much oh, is the labor you we... took to learn to make the Ca- Caleb burger? Oh, capitalism is fucking blessing. You're just spoiled by living in a rich country. Ha! <laughs> Get him. <laughs> Wait, where's this? Michael Snigurski. Michael. He's he's the guy who said that thing about the USSR. Oh, Nuno's watching, eh, Nuno? All right, should we should we end the recording so that we don't make everybody listen to us talking to the chat people? Oh, yeah, we probably should. All right, I'm going to stop Next the time, recording. Hang out We're going to stay on YouTube. It's pretty fun. Right, hang out in the chat. Wait, right. what? Hang out in the YouTube live if you're listening to the podcast. Caleb, do you um, want to cue the outro music? Cueing it now. Boom, boom, boom.